there's a lot of things we don't understand in this life, but I believe that um, on that day, it'll all make sense or it won't matter. Amen? And I think that a lot, in a lot of cases, the former, excuse me, it'll be the latter more than the former. In other words, it's just not going to matter. When we see the face of Jesus, I believe all of these things that we worried about so much, all the things that didn't seem right to us, didn't seem fair, listen, all of that's just going to be, uh, I'm not sure we'll even remember it, amen, and what a day that's going to be, uh, praise the Lord. A little warm in here, does anybody else feel like it's a little warm? Scott, go, or Mike or somebody go down there and turn the tent down a little bit downstairs. It's freezing back there in the corner. Oh, it was? Oh, mom. Okay, so it's mom's fault. Hallelujah. All right. Um, see, that's the thing about uh, this sanctuary. It's kind of like, have you seen these cars that, uh, you know, you can have dual thermostats? In, you know, passenger seat can set their temperature, and then the driver sets their temperature. That way, amen, they shouldn't be fussing and fighting over the temperature. Well, See, we've got it that way here in the church. You've got the front controlled by the downstairs temperature and the, the back is controlled by that temperature back there. So, uh, praise God. So, in other words, if you're, not, if you're not happy with the temperature in the back, just move up front. And if you're not happy with the temperature in the front, you know what we need to do? Boy, I could fix this problem real quick. Amen. During the summertime, we could make it so hot in the back that you can't stand it. And make everybody move to the front. Amen. Wouldn't that be good? And then during the wintertime, we make it so cold. You can't stand it and everybody move to the front. Boy, we could control the entire congregation that way. Amen. Praise the Lord. It is good to be here tonight. Amen. Appreciate your presence. Appreciate um, what God has done, what we believe he's going to continue to do. And uh, had a good, good, uh, productive Bible school meeting this afternoon. Was very pleased with how that went. And... Uh, Again, I want to uh, remind you to continue to pray for our Bible school uh, 2023. Uh, let's see the dates. Give me those dates one more time, huh? The 17th through the 21st, Monday through Friday of July. Not June, but July. So that means we've got um, about a month and a half to get everything together, and certainly there is a lot. Boy, I feel that air now. Hallelujah. But, uh, amen, there's a lot to get together, and you need to pray for Miss Holly and Ashley as they work together to coordinate it all. And, uh, again, I encourage our entire church body to do everything uh, possible to come together. Uh, again, it takes everybody working together to make it a success. So we're excited to see what God does, as this is an outreach. It is one of the most important things we do uh, in a given year as far as reaching out into our community, making a difference not only bringing in a large number of kids, but uh, telling them about Jesus, and hopefully some of them will get saved. Amen. That's what it's all about. So you be praying about this year's Bible school. Uh, again, Father's Day breakfast is right around the corner. Father's Day is right around the corner. So do remember uh, Saturday, June the 17th. Again, we've moved the time to 930 in the morning in the fellowship hall. Our ladies will be cooking uh, our favorite breakfast foods and attendance sign-up sheet will be posted in the near future. Uh, okay, it is back there. So we do have that sign-up sheet in the back. So uh, remember that and uh, many other announcements that I'm failing to mention tonight.
All right, we did have a long list of uh, prayer requests. I did talk to Miss Pat this afternoon, Pat Price. She's doing fairly well. They still definitely need our prayers, uh, the Price family, uh, but it uh, seemed like she was doing fairly well. They'll be going tomorrow to make um, um, arrangements uh, for the Price, for Bo Brother Bob's funeral. So just be praying for them as they go, and then I'll be getting with you uh, shortly thereafter to see what we can do to be a help and a blessing uh, to this family. So again, remember that situation. Uh, I also talked to Otis this afternoon, and Otis needs our prayers. Um, uh, I, I pray for this. I'm working to see if while, Lord willing, um, our family will be going out of town towards the end of this month, June, and if that happens, um, I'm going to do my best to see if I can visit with Otis. I'll be and I'll be close to where he's at, and if we can get everything coordinated, and if they'll allow me, I'm going to try to go by and see him uh, while uh, we're away. So you remember that. But uh, again, continue to remember Michael and Miss Joanne. Uh, pray for them. Uh, pray for LV. We mentioned his health this morning uh, and how he is in desperate need of seeing this specialist. Also pray for um, his niece, uh, continue to remember her in prayer. Um, again, she's just been given about three, um, about three weeks to live. So remember uh, LV's niece in prayer. Also, uh, continue to remember Robert Price as he recovers from knee surgery. Um, continue to remember Josh and Mary McBriar. These are our missionaries. As they, um, again, Mary's kidney levels are way low. Uh, the potential that she may be getting ready to have to start um, uh, dialysis. So remember Josh and Mary McBriar. Remember my stepmother or step-grandmother, uh, <laughs> stepmother, uh, Geneva Foshi. Remember her in prayer uh, and her health as she is uh, at Durham-Hensley Nursing Home, but also they have an outbreak of COVID there, so remember her. Uh, also, let's uh, not forget to remember Wanda Norton. Pray for her health. Uh, continue to remember Ellen Thompson and her recovery from knee surgery. Um, and uh, let's see, pray for Gary and Francis Gridley. I encourage you to remember them in prayer. Please pray for the Ark Ministries as we're still negotiating uh, the potential of a big uh, move for us. Hopefully that would be a, a help and a blessing to our ministry. So please pray for us. Other requests from this morning, uh, remember Zach Stanton in prayer. Uh, continue to pray for Bill Rupert, recovering from knee surgery. Pray for Charlotte Bernard. Remember Amy Anderson. Uh, pray for Roger and Tracy. Pray for Lagaya, uh, uh, Cheryl's sister-in-law as she's traveling to the, the Philippines. Remember Sam Hardy with brain cancer. Remember Miss Lola's niece, Maya. Pray for um, Anthony and Joanne's neighbors, Ray and Judy Crawford. Uh, pray for Mike and Grace Babcock as they're traveling and remember Chelsea in prayer. These are just a few that were mentioned this morning. You may have some that you'd like to add to the prayer list. You can do so at this time. Any other prayer requests tonight? Continue to remember our church in prayer. I pray that the Lord would continue to supply the needs that exist here. Pray for pastors, not just myself, but other pastors 
who are doing their best to stand for the Lord. Pray for, uh, amen, the fight that is raging uh, all across our nation. This is not a political fight. It's a spiritual war is what it is. And, um, amen, it's no time for the church of the living God to be silent. We cannot afford to give in and compromise on these issues because they are, um, I, you know, I was about to say they're relevant to, our, to us and to our children, but it's more than that. I mean, we're fighting for the souls of our kids. Uh, amen. And um, we mentioned this, this morning a lot of these things, I believe, are, are demonic in nature. And uh, amen. Uh, the devil's behind it. And uh, we've, got to, to, we've got to meet the devil's intensity and um, uh, with our own determined effort. So anything else tonight before we go to the Lord in prayer? Unspoken request by the uplifted hand. Lost loved ones that we need to, uh, that, that you may have. Let's pray for our missionaries on the field, those who are in the nursing homes. Uh, those who are homeless, and we could just go on and on, our law enforcement officers and uh, paramedics and, um, amen, government, government officials. Uh, we'll gather around the altar. If you'd like to join us, you can do so. If not, pray there in your seats, please. Scholar, would you lead us in prayer, brother? Yes, Lord, we thank you, God, tonight for this blessed privilege we have to come out to your house and worship you, Father, in spirit and in truth. Lord, I thank you, Father, for everything that you've done for us. Lord, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Lord, we just love you, God. We're so thankful for who you are and what you do. Lord, uh, God, thank you for helping us this morning, God, no doubt about it. Uh, Lord, uh, you were in the midst. And Lord, I pray that the things that were sung, the things that were spoken, Lord, would just uh, stay with us, God. And Lord, we would continue to meditate, Lord, on the truths, Lord, that were, that were uh, shared, Father, through your inerrant word. Oh, God, today I pray, Lord, that you would just help us, Lord, tonight, God, not to be... satisfied or content with what has already taken place, but help us to, uh, Lord, expect, Lord, you to do greater things tonight in and through our service. Lord, I pray that you bless those who are here tonight, those who are not here, those who may be watching, Lord, by way of live stream. Uh, Lord God, if there's one that's lost, God, draw them unto yourself. And Lord, I pray, God, that uh, when it's all said and done, we might be able to say that Surely the Lord has met with us, and uh, God, that it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Father, Lord, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for who you are, and Lord, I pray for every prayer request that's been mentioned and offered up, God, I pray that you would just uh, uh, touch every heart, Lord, and God, Lord, I pray that you bless our church, God, meet every need, supply our needs according to the riches of glory, uh, Lord, in grace and glory by Christ Jesus, Father. God, help us to be encouraged, Lord, and to be zealous of good works, Lord, as it's mentioned in your word tonight. Help us to get excited, Lord, 
fired up coming Bible school, Father. Lord, I pray you use it to make an eternal difference, God, in the lives, the heart and lives of everyone who chooses to attend. God, we do praise you and thank you for what you do. Lord, bless tonight. We commit it all to thee, and we're going to praise you in advance. have a couple of ushers come forward tonight we will receive our Sunday night offering you give us the Lord's blessed and prospered you brother Michael would you lead us in prayer sir Page 149 in your gold hymnal, stand all over the house and let's sing, I'm sheltered in the arms of God. Hallelujah. Safe with it. 
Well, let's do It Is No Secret. I think that'd be the Lord's will. How many of you believe the Lord's still able to do for us what we need Him to do? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> 491. The times of time ring out the news, another day is through. Someone slipped and fell, was that someone you? You may have longed for added strength, your courage to Do not be disheartened, for I bring hope to It is no secret what 
seated tonight. I knew it wasn't a coincidence that the Lord wanted us to sing that, and I didn't think about it until we were in the middle of it. Heard an amazing story uh, this week. Um, uh, we have Sirius XM, and we listen to Enlighten, which is the Southern Gospel music program on that, um, uh, that network, but um, uh, Bill Gaither has a once-a-day uh, program. It's kind of a light-hearted thing. There's some, you know, funny things on there, but there's some serious uh, things all, also. Uh, and some of you may have heard this, but um, Stuart Hamlin is the writer of that song. And well, some of I'll tell you one of the greatest things you could do is go back and study the the history behind these songs. These great songs of the faith. Almost every one of them have a powerful story behind them. And certainly this is no different. Now, again, some of you may know, and I don't, uh, the history of Stuart Hamlin. Uh, is there something there? I mean, it must have been a celebrity or something. The Duke. Like the Duke Blue Devils, is that what we're talking about? Okay, well, I know that's where I was going. Don't you dare tell my story. This is my story. <laughs> well, they were neighbors. So that tells me that Stuart Hamlin must have been a pretty prominent fella. Well, and I don't know exactly the date, the year, but it was when the Bill, one of the Billy Graham crusades come to Los Angeles. Um, Stuart Hamlin got saved during one of the Billy Graham crusades. And the story goes that after he got saved, he went back home. And that very night, he was doing some work in his backyard. And John Wayne, the Duke, okay. See, I didn't even, what, what's that all about? John Wayne uh, came and leaned over his fence or whatever and uh, said, Stuart, I, I heard you, you give your heart to Jesus. Amen. And um, Stuart said, yes, I did. And um, he said the Lord prompted him at that moment to say, uh, it is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he can do for you. That's what he said to John Wayne. And the Duke, um, I'll never forget that now. Uh, 
said, well, that'd make a good song. And word has it, Bill Gaither was telling a story that that very night, the same day he got saved after he'd had this interaction with his neighbor, John Wayne, right about midnight, as the clock struck midnight, he wrote these words, the chimes of time ring out the news another day is through. And just within a very short period of time, he wrote the words to that song, It Is No Secret What God Can Do. Isn't that amazing? Uh, I mean, that, that, to me, I just heard that, and that just, I was like, wow, what a, what a wonderful um, thing. And, um, of course, Stuart Hamlin's written many, many, many songs. So, um, But it is no secret what God can do. And what he's done for others, he can do for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, Miss Katie's going to come sing for us. Uh, I used to call her little Smiley, but now she's grown up and uh, she's got a new name. You say, what is that? Crash. Praise God. Because uh, she started driving. Well, you know, whatever. But Let's go. Before I start calling names.
Come sing one more before I preach tonight, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Did he love me to death? Oh, that one? I said he loved me to death. Gotta give me a cue. Open your ears. Just a robe that was torn And he never gave me No diamonds or gold But the story of his love Was the greatest ever 
Father, forgive them. It's a love that's not measured by height or depth. Even when I didn't love Him, He loved me someone like me as undeserving as I can be I don't deserve his mercies and I don't deserve his touch but on the cross with arms wide open he said I I'm thankful the Lord loved us tonight, aren't you? Isn't that a wonderful song? Amen. He loved me to death.
of all names. Don't you? Uh, one name. The Bible says it's a name that every knee should bow. And things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. If you believe that tonight, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Scott, would you go push play on the recorder and mute the pulpit mic, please. Praise the Lord. How many of you are thankful for Jesus tonight? Amen. amen. A lot of famous people. We talked about the Duke. The Duke. I was about called him the dude. Amen. John Wayne. Man, I'll tell you, he was a celebrity back in the day, wasn't he? And we could go on and on about famous people who have been known the world around. Uh, we went to Dollywood. I'll tell you what, I hadn't been to Dollywood in five or six years, I guess, since the girls were little. Uh, and then all of a sudden here I've gone to Dollywood two Saturdays in a row. Amen. And last Saturday was a holiday week, but it was cold. It was crowded. Man, there was people everywhere last Saturday. But it was just really nice, not too, uh, not too hot, not too cold. Well, yesterday, the crowd wasn't quite as bad, I didn't think. Uh, but, boy, you talk about blazing, man, off that, as that hot asphalt walking all around that park. And everywhere you turned, you saw people having shirts about Dolly. Amen. And, and, and I just happened to think about that, man. Uh, all of the, the thousands upon thousands and even million people who come through that park uh, every, every year. And just as you exit the park, um, there's a sign that says, I will always love you, Dolly. And I mean, people know that name, Dolly Parton, amen? Uh, but you know, the name of Jesus, uh, it may be a more controversial name, it may be a more offensive name, but it's a greater name that any celebrity has, who has ever lived. And you can take Dolly or all these other people that you'd like to see, but just take the world and give me Jesus. Amen? I'd rather have Jesus than anyone I know, and I'm thankful uh, for that tonight. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you one thing. You know it's getting bad when uh, Dollywood's going woke. Amen? And used to, several years back, you, you would go, and that's the one thing about it. It was, a, it was like a family enclave. It was a place where you could go, and uh, amen, gospel music and Christian music was kind of the theme. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, Christianity was sort of a theme of everything they did, but you can tell a huge difference over there now. Uh, amen, you see more secular music and very, very little they do have the kingdom heirs that are still there, but just not nearly as much of a Christian emphasis as there used to be. And sure enough, you know, there was a section of the, of the park. It wasn't nearly as uh, front and center as some other things that you see, but there was a, an area that you could tell was designated for the, for the Pride Month, amen. And uh, that's terrible, isn't it? Uh, amen. Um, why would we celebrate something that's an abomination in the sight of God? It's a perversion. Uh, amen. But I still like um, what I saw and what I mentioned this morning 
LGBT, let God be true. Well, isn't that good? Amen. I don't think that's a coincidence, man. I mean, you can say what you want, but I don't think that's an accident. Just like the rainbow, amen. It's a, it's a sign of a promise, scripturally speaking. But, uh, amen, the, uh, the perverts have turned it into a sign of perversion. Well, amen, they're, they're saying, they're infamous saying that they like to take so much pride in LGBT. Well, I like that. Let God be true. Hallelujah. Uh, and every man a liar is the last part of that. Well, God's going to get the last word to this mess. Don't you believe that? I want to be on His side, even if I'm in the minority and even if I'm uh, considered part of the crazy bunch. Uh, you know, that passage that we studied this morning, uh, amen, uh, one of the things that uh, was mentioned is that, uh, what did we preach on this morning? Grace, yeah. Do what now? The L's, not this kind of L's, but that kind of L's, right? All right. Amen. But it says that he has called us to be a peculiar people. Uh, amen. Uh, a peculiar people. Well, that means strange, unusual. But hey, just count me in, praise God. I, 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 I'm fine with being a peculiar kind of people as long as I'm one of his people. Amen. That's right. Zealous of good works. Amen. Boy, I, I tell you, I, that helped me this morning. I don't know about anybody else. Anyone have another uh, word to tell you? can be turning your Bibles to Romans chapter number 6 while you're turning. Anybody else have a word for the Lord tonight? And let me just say one other thing. Don't become comfortable with this mess. See, that's one of the problems, is that, and, and they're not stupid. They know what, in other words, the more, they, the more of it they shove down, their throat, down our throats, their strategy is that after a while we'll just get used to it. Amen. What one generation tolerates, the next generation embraces. All right? And if we're not careful, we'll be like the, 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 the so many even so-called Christian groups that are beginning to tolerate this nonsense. Uh, amen. It ought to make you it ought to make you want to vomit. It may it ought to make you sick at your stomach. But if we're not careful over time, we'll just start saying, well, that's just the way that it is. Amen. But you see, that's what they want you to do, and that's how they want you to feel. Is even though you may not agree with it, you tolerate it. Amen. Well, it's coming here. Amen? And in some ways, it's already here. And if we don't take a stand now, uh, once they get a foothold, once they get a beachhead, amen, they know that, they'll, that, that, that once they get in, it's a whole lot, uh, can I say this tonight? It's a whole lot easier to keep them out altogether than it is to kick them out. Amen? Can I say that again tonight? I mean, that just come hot off the press. It's a whole lot easier to keep them out uh, than it is to kick them out. Kind of like a flea infestation. Amen. It's a whole lot better to keep the fleas out than to try to get them out once they're in. Can I get a witness tonight? Mm. 
Wow. Thank you, Lord. Uh, somebody else this evening before we preach. Don't don't you forget that. I got a, that'll, that's a that is a that's a Facebook post waiting. That'll fire social media up. It's a whole lot easier to keep them out than it is to kick them out. Praise God. Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. I hope you're enjoying this study as we continue to move our way through the book of Romans. And uh, I know we're not getting in a hurry, but we don't need to. Uh, last week we only got through one verse. But boy, I believe it was a help and a blessing to all of us. Again, as we come to the practical section of the book of Romans, again, chapter number 1 through 3, Paul uh, writing to the, to the Roman Christians, the church at Rome, he's establishing the reality of sin and the need for man to be made righteous. But then chapter number 4 and 5, well, 3 really, chapter number 3 through 5, the, the middle part of, of chapter number 3 on through chapter number 5, the entirety of chapter 5, uh, Paul deals with the way man can be made righteous. Not through himself, but through Jesus. My righteousness is not based upon myself or anything that I can do for myself or by myself. But it's by grace, through faith. Amen. Justification. I'm justified, not by what I've done, but for what Jesus did for me and through me. Uh, amen. Righteousness. Amen is the righteousness of God is the primary theme of the book of Romans. But now we, we get into the, the practical section. Chapter number 6, 7, and 8 is a practical section that deals with God's righteousness applied and appropriated. Kind of like we talked about grace this morning, uh, the functioning aspect of grace. Uh, uh, how we are to utilize God's grace. Well, it's the same thing with righteousness how we are to appropriate or to apply the righteousness of God into our lives practically, not just theologically, not just positionally or doctrinally. Amen. That's important. We've got to know right in order to live right. Amen. Uh, what we believe will determine how we behave. But, one, but again, not just what we know, but what we're going to do with what we know. And that those are... If you consider chapter number 6 of the book of Romans, again, we can divide it up into three distinct sections uh, as it relates to three basic words, and that is know, K-N-O-W. We've got to know. Paul has specific things that he's, he wants us to know. Again, verse number 3, know you not that so many of us were baptized. Verse number 6, know in this that our old man is crucified with him. Hallelujah, I'm thankful for that, aren't you? And if we do tonight, possibly, I hope, get down to verse 16, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, all right? So again, we've got to know. Uh, you know, friend, you'll never live right unless you know right. Amen? Can I say that? If you're going to live right, if you're going to live the right way, you've got to know the right thing. And this foolish idea today that we're just, uh, that doctrine doesn't matter, that we're supposed to... You know, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere in your beliefs. That's craziness. Amen? Uh, and, and, you know, you see these things. Well, it doesn't matter. This, uh, this doesn't matter. It does matter. That doesn't mean that I have to be so dogmatic in what I believe that I, 
you know, write everybody else off because the truth of the matter is when we stand before God one day at the judgment, we're all going to be wrong about some things. God's going to have to straighten the Baptist out just like he is. Every, but listen, I need to know what I believe. It's important for this church to know what it believes and where it stands. Amen. Not because of what mama said or not what, uh, you know, daddy taught me or grandpa, but because of what the Bible says. Friend, if you don't know what you believe and where you stand, you will be led astray. Amen? That is why we're just seeing things in our world today that I just cannot fathom. People that you thought were grounded and rooted. You know, they know, but you say, well, they know better, but yet they've been led astray. Amen? But why? Because they're truly not settled. Uh, amen? There's, there's a thing called, uh, amen, uh, good old-fashioned stubbornness. Amen? There's some things you need to be stubborn on. You need to know where you stand. And you don't need to be so easily swayed or influenced or manipulated, carried about by every wind of doctrine drifting on the sea. And uh, you just go whichever the wind blows with the latest fad. Amen? And that's what we see so many people today being carried about. Why? Because we're living in perilous times where even the elect would be deceived if it were possible amen we need to know amen if we're going to do right if we're going to live right we got to know right you help me preach tonight but then it's not just about what we know but we got to reckon some things we got to make application it's not just what we know and and friend the problem with a lot of us it's my problem is not what I know, but it's what I do or don't do with what I know. Amen? Not only being a hearer and a knower or an, a, an agreer with truth, but being a doer of God's Word. Uh, submitting my life to the truths, amen, of the Word of God. Listen, you know what we'll do? We'll say amen and we'll, go, we'll agree with it. And that makes us feel better about going out the door and living a life that is totally contrary to what we say we believe. If you really believe something, you're going to, uh, amen, uh, amen, your beliefs are going to be evidenced by your behavior and by the way you live. What you believe ought to be backed up by the way you behave. Amen. Can I say that again? How I believe ought to be backed up and proven by the way I behave. Do you know that's why the world ain't taking the church serious today? Amen. We believe one thing, we say we believe one thing, and then we do something entirely different. Amen. And they, they, amen. They don't take us seriously because our beliefs are not backed up by our behaviors. So know and reckon, and then the third word that we began studying last week is yielding. Submission, surrender. I, I, again, I'm I'm submitting to the recognized authority. And we use the illustration, uh, amen, of a school uh, officer at a crosswalk, you know. Usually it's a little old lady or something. And they have no authority or no power in themselves. Frail, but yet we yield ourselves to the authority that they represent. Amen. Uh, and friend, who... Do you recognize as being the supreme authority of your life? Is it the Lord? Is it the Spirit or is it your flesh? Amen. Look with me real quick. And again, we're getting ahead. But look with me down uh, into verse 
number 16. Again, we've got to know this. Amen. We've got to reckon it. We've got to yield ourselves to it. Verse number 16. Know ye not. Don't you know, Paul's saying, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. I mean, who do you recognize as the, the rightful owner and the authority of your life? And again, it goes back to number 13, verse number 13, uh, amen, neither yield ye your members. That word members, it speaks uh, concerning the literal and actual members of our body, our body parts, whether it be my mouth, who am I, who am I yielding my mouth to? Amen. My mind, my feet, my hands. A am I using or am I yielding the members of my body as servants unto the spirit or servants unto the flesh? Amen. Who's controlling you, your flesh or your spirit? Amen. Who's controlling my appetite, my flesh or my spirit? God help me, hallelujah. I try to preach to myself so y'all don't get so upset. See, if, it, if I'm preaching to myself, you can't get mad at me. Well, you can, but hey, I ain't going to get mad at myself, praise the Lord. Right? Who am I yielding myself? Who am I recognizing as the rightful owner? Listen, I don't own my, my body. Amen? My body is the temple of the Lord. He paid and He purchased uh, purchased my temple. I, uh, amen. My body, this tabernacle, this dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God was bought by the blood of Jesus. And I yielded and I surrendered authority of my body unto the Lord on the day I got saved. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present or yield your bodies a living sacrifice unto the Lord, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And again, we use, this, we use the story, if it belongs to us, we can do with it what we want to do with it. And I use this, the illustration of a weed eater, and would you know, Anthony's got my weed eater fixed, so i got to use it. Amen. But if it longs, belongs to my dad, I can't just do with it how I want to. i got to make sure that I treat it the way he wants. I gotta, I've got to recognize the fact that he, not I, am the rightful owner of that tool, that instrument. All right, well, let's get into it tonight. Again, we're not getting very far, and we may not tonight either. But we're just going to mind the Lord and see what we can get accomplished. Amen. Yielding ourselves. Verse number 14, there's a dominion. For sin shall not have dominion and over you. That's not a suggestion. Amen. That is an order. Amen. We're, we're obligated not to allow sin to have dominion and over us. Friend, it is not the will of God to, for you to allow sin to have dominion and over your life. And I'm not just talking about individual acts of sin. I'm talking about, uh, amen, I'm talking about the seed of sin. I'm talking about uh, your flesh, which is your flesh is the root of all sin. Your flesh, your old nature is what causes you to sin. You say, why do I sin? Not because the devil or the demon made me do it. Can I get a witness? But it's because of sin that dwells in me. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter number 7. He said, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do. 
It's no longer I, I that am doing it now that I've got a new nature, but it's sin that dwells in me. That seed of sin, that root, that nature of sin, that even though you're saved is just as attracted to sin as metal is attracted to a magnet. Amen? But yet we must not allow ourselves, uh, we, may, we must not let ourselves use the reality of the flesh as an excuse for sin. Because the authority of the Spirit has more power and dominion in our life than the authority of the flesh. The flesh has been sl sl slain. Sin, that, that principle, the old nature has been slain. It received a mortal wound at Calvary. It is in the process of dying, just like a wounded animal. Amen. So in, in other words, if I yield to the flesh, I can't blame the power of the old nature. I've got to blame the, 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 the uh, personal decision and choice I made to yield myself to that which according to the Bible has no power or authority over my life. Amen. It ain't the devil that made you do it. It's not some demon that, that amen, that still inhabits your body after you get saved. You've got a devil living inside of you. You need to get born again. Why? Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. You say, I'm still bound. No, you're not. You've been set free. Now you may be you may still be you still may be choosing to live in bondage, even though the, the door's been kicked wide open for you to walk out. That's not the devil's fault, that's your choice. To live in under a state of bondage, even though you've been delivered and set free. That's good preaching. Amen. And you say, preacher, how can you back that up? By what the Bible says. Amen. Not by what I feel. Man, it, it, it's, it's a whole lot more convenient for me to view myself as a victim rather than being the culprit. Huh? I'm not a victim. If I was a victim, then I wouldn't go to hell. Amen? God wouldn't hold me responsible for my choices if I were the victim. No, friend, we're responsible. Amen? Who are we going to yield ourselves to? Sin shall not have dominion over us. Amen. We're recognizing. We're, listen, uh, the word dominion means to cater to, to capitulate, or to make concession. Amen. Now there's a distinction, verse number 14. Ye are not under the law, but under grace. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. We find how that Paul makes a distinction between being under the law versus being under the amazing grace of God. Now I want to remind you that he's writing to people who are used to living and under the law. People who believe they could obtain righteousness with God by way of their own deeds and their so-called ability to keep the law, which they could not do. The law was never given to make man righteous, but to show the fact that he was unrighteous and needs to be made righteous by an outside source. See, but we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. Preacher, what does that mean? Well, once again, you cannot use your flesh as an excuse to continue living in under the authority of sin after you get saved. Why? Because God's grace is, is sufficient. How many of you believe that? Let me show you something real quick. 
Go back to this morning's text, Titus chapter number 2. Go back there real quick. Titus chapter number 2. Verse number 11, for the grace of God, right? That bringeth forth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. See, that's the will of God for your life. God's will for your life is not to give in to the flesh. Amen. And to allow the, the flesh, the world, and the devil to have victory and dominion over your life. That's not God's will. God's will is for you to have victory and over your spiritual enemies. Amen. And the grace of God is able to teach you to deny ungodliness. In other words, before you can learn it, you've got to leave it. Amen. You've got to leave the things that you... You've got to, you have to rationally, uh, mentally, emotionally, and willfully choose to leave and to turn away from that which your flesh is attracted to. The allurements and the attractions. You've just got to choose. Say, preacher, I can't do that. Well, you can't within your own strength, but the grace of God is sufficient to give you the ability to overcome the flesh. Amen. I know that's not popular preaching. See, there aren't any shortcuts. I mean, there aren't any, <laughs> there aren't any smart, but what is it, Staples has the easy button? Amen. Just push the button and poof, I, I, I'm, amen. Amen, go see the preacher and give him however many hundreds of dollars and Amen. He does the synopsis and tells you all your family history and performs some hocus pocus. You throw up and all of a sudden you're delivered. Right? Well, that sounds great, but then they say, well, you got to go back and do it again. Give you more money. That ain't the way it works, friend. We just willfully choose as Christians to claim the deliverance and the freedom that has already been given to us and already has been made available to us, not through our own strength, but through the grace of God that enables us to have victory. Why? Because God's will is that sin would have no dominion and over us. Why? Because we're not under the law, but we are living under, aren't you thankful you're living under God's grace? Amen? What the law could not do, grace could do. And we are living in under the favor of God's grace. If you're saved, the favor of the grace of God is upon your life. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Do you know grace is not just a New Testament principle? Amen. The Old Testament saints experience grace just like you and I do. There's a reiteration, verse number 15. Well, praise God, we got through one verse anyway. What then shall we say, because we are not in under the law, but under grace? Shall we sin, excuse me, because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid, again, we're using, the thought here is using, and Paul addressed this in the very first part of the chapter, amen, Romans chapter number 6, where I'm at, 
Verse number 1, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Same thing here. What then? Shall we sin? Because we're not under law but under grace. Using God's grace as, as an excuse to continue living a habitual lifestyle of sin? God forbid. Why? Because where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. As great as sin is, God's grace is greater. Amen? Friend, I'm telling you, when you think about the, the authority of sin, it's a, it's a powerful thing. Sin is a powerful thing. You say, preacher, how powerful is, is sin? Well, it's powerful enough to produce death. Amen? You know, all of the things, all of the, the you know, the fact that, that our world is, has fallen into a state of disorder. Amen? It's not in harmony. <laughs> Amen? It's not working the way the Creator originally designed for it to operate. Uh, lawlessness. Amen? Say, so, preacher, why is the world, you know, falling apart? Sin. Sin is a powerful thing, but as powerful as sin is, grace is more powerful. Grace has more authority in this world and in our lives than does the power and the dominion of sin. Why? Because where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The end of chapter number 5. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. The, the hooper grace, hyper grace, excess grace. Again, we go back to what we said this morning. God has given us a debit card that gives us access unto an unlimited supply of funds. You'll never overdraw God's bank account of grace. I don't care how many times. He said, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You ever, oh my, you ever made a transaction and you was a little nervous whether or not the transaction would go through or whether or not you'd be declined? And man, one of the worst feelings in the world is you need to buy something, especially if that's the only debit card, if that's the only card you have, and you're out in the middle of nowhere, amen, and there's one gas station around, and you got this debit card and you swipe it at the pump, need to put $20 in, and it says declined insufficient funds. Has that ever happened to anybody? That happened to me this week. Amen, it did. I was so mad because Holly takes care of the money, praise God. I'm going to. Amen. Holly takes care of the money. I have to ask her for permission to spend a dime. Y'all believe that, right? But I couldn't understand. I swiped that card. And, amen. It said insufficient funds. I said, honey, what in the world has happened? She said, well, the gas station put a hold on it. Has that ever happened to you? You don't have to worry about God putting a hold on His supply of grace. You're never going to have to worry about uh, trying to access uh, God's bank account of grace and being denied because uh, of a limited supply of funds. Friend, I'm telling you, God's grace is sufficient for every need, even when it comes to our ability to overcome sin and temptation. 
Man, you ain't going to stand before God one day and say, I'm sorry, God. I just was weak. It's a weakness. Bad habit. No, it's a sin. And you chose to sin rather than to access God's grace. To overcome it. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to men. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. I'm trying to give you the Word of God tonight. Neither grace, or grace is not an excuse for sin. It's an accountability to keep us from sin. God's grace removes all excuses for sin. God's grace does not provide you with an excuse to sin. It provides you with an excuse not to sin. Option, verse number 16. Here's where we're at. Know ye not, and an option, that to whom ye yield yourself servant to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. You know, this is one of, if not the most important verse in the entire section, is it summarizes pretty much everything that Paul has been trying to say throughout the chapter. Notice how, again, he uses the word know. This is the third time he uses the word K-N-O-W in the text. But yet he uses it within, in connection with the word yield. I mean, we, our, our yielding, our submission is according to our knowledge, what we know. The information Paul is providing us with in this verse is important because it is a general summary of everything he's been writing about. Amen. Whether it be sin unto death or obedience, it's an option, it's a choice we have. Are we going to yield ourselves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience that leads to righteousness? It's our choice. Who are we yielding ourselves to? Whoever we end up serving determines who we're yielding to. All right, let me ask you tonight, let me ask myself this. Am I a servant to sin or am I a servant to righteousness? Who are you serving tonight? Amen. Are you serving Jesus or are you serving yourself? Or God forbid you're serving Satan. Huh? Well, who you're serving depends on who you're yielding to. Who do you recognize as the ultimate authority of your life? Amen. Hath God not set us free? Hath God not delivered us from the authority and the dominion of sin? Then what business do we have yielding ourselves unto the devil? Who are we serving? Are we serving Christ? Who are we obeying? So I believe it, but I'm not obeying. No, you don't believe it if you ain't obeying. Help me preach this evening. Amen. Obedience. You know faith is obedience. They're almost synonymous with one another. We're, now, I'm not saying they're the same thing, but I'm, I'm saying that they work together. And it's almost like they were created. These principles were created to operate in harmony with each other. Obedience and faith. See, if you believe, you will obey. Obedience is an evidence of faith. 
Amen? I say, well, I believe it. Well, are you doing it? Amen? Oh, I wish you could help me preach this evening. I feel like I'm working by myself. I know it's tough, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. In appreciation, verse number 17. But God be thanked. An attitude of thankfulness. Uh, that He had been delivered. I mean, you ought to be thankful that God has made you free. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of the past. I've traded my shackles for a glorious song. Praise the Lord, I'm free at last. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. See, I'm free because of what I know. And because I'm willing to uh, amen, reckon what I know. And because I'm willing to yield myself by faith unto the truths and the principles of what the Bible says. Alright, so, so I want you to see this. Uh, we, we could divide. There's another way to outline this entire section. And it is, we talked about the L's this morning. Now let's talk about the, the F's. Alright, favor, freedom, and fruit. Alright? Favor, freedom, and fruit. Amen. If you're in God's favor, you can access freedom. And if you're free, it'll produce fruit in your life. Do you get that? Now there's an appreciation. But God be thanked. I'm thankful for the liberty that I have. I'm thankful that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Uh, amen. What I know should cause me to be thankful. Amen. An awareness should generate an appreciation. All right. Physician. What am I thankful for? Well, that I was, not still am, but I was a servant of sin. You say, preacher, why? The people sin because they're a slave of sin. Amen? They're bound by sin. They're dominated and controlled by the authority of sin. And if you're not saved, that is your condition. You are a servant and a slave of sin and Satan. Amen? But if you're saved, you've changed ownership. Amen? I no longer belong to sin. I no longer belonged to Satan. I was a slave uh, of the devil, but now I'm a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We were the servants of sin in our past position. Who are you a servant of tonight? Why would we continue to yield? The, and again, the, this is so important. And I wish I could get it across. Amen. We... We have been made free. Y'all hear me tonight? If you're saved, you have been delivered. I don't care who says what. I don't care how fanatical it is. I don't care how much money they're making off of it. You have been made free. You don't need to be made free. You have been made free. You're asking for something that God's already done for you. 
And brother, I got Bible to back it up and I ain't had one of them yet. And I've gone directly to the horse's mouth and I've challenged them. Would you please give me an answer for Romans chapter number 8, verse number 2. And that is, therefore, there is no condemnation to them. Amen. Why? Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Mic drop. <laughs> There's no answer to that. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So I don't need to keep going to the preacher just like the Catholics keep going to the Pope or the priest. I don't need to go to the priest, Daddy, and ask him for something that I already possess. Because I have been made free. I was a servant of sin. Now I am a servant of the Most High God. Do you all believe that tonight? Yield to your master. Amen. Yield to your owner. Yield the one that you respect as the high authority and over your life. Submission, but ye have obeyed. Verse 17. <coughs> Obedience. Paul uses, in verse 16 alone, he uses the word obey or obedience a total of three times. But verse number 17, we find the apostle once again making reference to obedience. You have obeyed. Amen. A connection between yielding ourselves to a certain per person or thing in an act of obedience. We commit towards whoever or whatever we choose to yield. Again, it's about who we know, who we recognize. Growing up, I recognized that this guy right here was my authority. Amen. That means what did I do? Well, I yielded myself to him. When he spoke, I listened. When he told me to do something, I, I didn't uh, protest. I said, yes, Dad. And I did what he told me to do because I recognized him as the ultimate authority at that time in my life. Obedience is an evidence of, uh, of submission and, uh, and authority. I obey who I recognize to be my authority. May I remind you tonight that God is your authority. Somebody said, it's my body, it's my choice. No, your body doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. He gave it to you. Not to do with it as you so choose, but as He has instructed and commanded you to live in a certain way. We're going to end with verse 17. All right. Obedience. Favor, freedom, fruit. Foundation from the heart. See, what you do on the outside is an evidence of what exists on the inside. Amen. What I do is an indication of who I am. Amen? From the heart, our obedience.
Our yielding comes from the condition of my heart. Uh, a tree and fruit. Ye shall know them by the fruit. The fruit uh, indicates the root. Amen. What kind of fruit I produce is a telltale sign of what kind of tree I am and what is at the root of my life. A lot of costume Christians today. Amen. Fake and phony is a $2 bill. They say one thing, but they live an entirely different way and it's an evidence of the nature of their heart. Amen. Costume Christian. I don't want to be a costume. I want to be the real thing. All right, here's where, we, here's where we end tonight. And this goes back to everything we've said. All right, verse number 17. There's a transcription. That form of what? What does it say? That form of doctrine. Boy, that's unpopular, isn't it? Let's throw the doctrine out the window. Amen. Just go along with, with the fad. It's all right. Let's tolerate error. Let's tolerate false doctrine. Let's rub shoulders with those who are preaching and teaching things that are absolutely and totally contrary to what the Bible says. See, we are yielding ourselves to, from the heart to that form of doctrine. You're, you're, you know, I'm not your authority, but God's Word is. It's not about submitting to the preacher, it's about submitting to the Bible. Amen? People want to get mad at the preacher, but the problem is who the, what the preacher represents. Amen? In fact, in reality, they're, they're, their angst ain't with the man of God. Their angst is with the Word of God. And friend, I have no authority in over your life aside from what the Bible says. But whether you like it or not, if you're God's child, the Word of God is the authority of your life. And it is your responsibility not to question it. Amen? Not to debate it. Not to protest against it, but to yield yourself to what the Bible says. Amen. But see, nowadays, nowadays we've got a form of Christianity. Say, well, I, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe the Bible. You're stupid. Huh? I'm a Christian, but I don't even believe the Bible. What is the foundation of my faith? How do I even know about Jesus? It's because of what's written in the Bible. Amen? It's just a truth. Doctrine matters. What we know, what we believe, determines how we behave. Delegation. And we conclude with this. Which was delivered to you. Accountability is not just to what is written, but it's unto those who loved us enough to tell us what was written. Amen? The doctrine that we had received, not the, uh, not the doctrine, not the knowledge that we had that was generated and produced on our own and by ourselves, but it came from an outside source. It came from somebody else who loved us enough to tell us the truth.
We owe those people. Those who committed to us the doctrine. The doctrine that was passed down for, to us from one generation to another. Amen? And that works both ways. Let me just give you these verses and we're through tonight. Titus 1.9 Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Titus 2.1 The apostle again wrote but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. 1 Timothy 4.6 If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things that thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto ye have attained. 1 Timothy 4.13 Till I come give attendance to reading to ex exhortation and to good doctrine. 1 Timothy 4.16 Take heed unto thyself and to, and to thy doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Bottom line doctrine matters. And it's important for us not only to appreciate those who were willing to pass sound doctrine down to us. And that's something we should be thankful for here, here, thankful for here at United Baptist Church is for those, amen, who paved the way and blazed the, blazed the trail to make sure that we were handed down good and sound doctrine. It's one thing this church has always had is good doctrine. Because that lady's husband. Miss Sheryl's husband, Dave, because of Brother Barn, my grandfather, other pioneers of this church. It's been committed unto us, and it's our responsibility as another generation not to base our church on what is popular and whether or not what we preach and teach draws a crowd, but whether or not what we preach and teach is good and sound doctrine. Because doctrine matters. And if we're going to help people, we've got to help them in truth. Amen. In other words, they've got to know the right thing. They've got to have the knowledge. And we've got to make sure that their belief is right so they'll behave right. You know that's why people are acting like fools? And I know I use the word stupid and, and that's fine. The truth is we need to toughen up. We don't need to get so easily offended, right? I'm sorry, but it's stupid for people to say that they're a Christian, but they don't believe the Word of God. It's foolishness, right? But I'm telling you, this liberal, this woke crowd, and I, I'm, I'm done, maybe. <laughs> they got more sense than we do. They know that doctrine matters. They know that idea, ideology and philosophy is important. And they know that if they want this younger generation of children to behave the way they want them to behave, then they got to make sure them kids believe what they want them to believe. And I'm telling you the truth tonight. That's why they are indoctrinating your kids. Because they understand something that the church has long ago forgotten, and that is that doctrine matters. Belief is important. And your behavior and the behavior of our children will be determined by their belief. And their belief will be 
determined by what they're taught and by what they learn and by what they know. And can I just say this evening in closing that the world is doing a whole lot better job of indoctrinating a younger generation of children and young people than the church is. We have raised a generation of kids, amen, in church, mind you, that have no clue what the Bible says. And that's our fault. Because all these other things are more important. Playtime. Amen? Feel good. Entertainment. Drawing a crowd. And we'd rather sacrifice the well-being of our young people and our children just to make sure we look good and we're acceptable by the world's standards. You know, the truth of the matter is most people walk into this church, whether it be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, they'd look at us and they'd say, well, you're not doing a very good job because you just got a handful. Am I telling the truth? I mean, if you were doing, really doing it right, this place would be full. But what is true success? You know, I'm not responsible for those who aren't here. But I am responsible for those who sit on these pews Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And friend, if we compromise the truth just to fill a house and to draw a crowd, have we really succeeded? Or are we a failure? Well, you know, maybe we need to... Uh, Maybe we need to be a little bit more sensitive to people's opinions. Maybe we just need to be concerned about what the Bible says and let LGBT reign. And that is let God be true and every man a liar. Let's all stand tonight. Father in heaven, Lord, Lord, this, this isn't easy preaching. Tough. Hard. Hard for us all to accept and swallow from the pulpit to the pew. And Lord, in reality, some of it's out of our hands. Lord, I know it's tough when you're struggling. I know it's tough when you're in a famine. And God, we can look in the Bible and we can see over and over again, Father, the pattern in Scripture is people want to leave the promised land during the drought. It's what happened to Naomi's husband. He chose to leave Bethlehem, Judah, and travel to Moab because there was a famine. Because there was a shortage. Because there was a leanness. Lord, because there was not a, an abundance. And Lord, he wavered in his faith. And he chose to run and jump to the other side of the fence. 
But Lord, I, I want to remind myself tonight that leanness is not an evidence of disobedience. Or just because we're in a drought or a famine doesn't mean we're outside the will of God. Father, I wish your will was that we would always live in a state, in a state of abundance. But Lord, I've lived long enough and I know myself that if I always had an abundance, Lord, I would not depend on you and I wouldn't appreciate you and I wouldn't be as thankful for you as what I should be. So Lord, sometimes you let me go through the drought and through the famine and through the lean times to appreciate the good times, to appreciate the rainy season. Lord, the truth of the matter is, Lord, my responsibility is not just to yield myself to you during the good times, but I've got to yield myself to you during the bad times as well. God, there's no excuse for disobedience because your grace is sufficient. God, there's no reason for me to let the flesh win out. I know, Lord, truly the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I realize that. But God, I've been made free. I've been delivered. And your grace will be sufficient to help me if I choose to do right, to overcome temptation that comes by way of sin and the flesh and the world. Who am I yielding to tonight, Lord? Who am I serving? Oh God, I pray that you'd help us to live in victory. Help us to be strong. Help us to be stubborn where we need to be stubborn. And Lord, one area we cannot afford to compromise is truth. God, if it breaks us. God, if we go down. If the ship sinks, Lord, help us to sink standing for what's right. God, when I stand before you, the world may view me as a failure. But if I've stood for truth, I've been faithful. If I've fought a good fight, if I've finished the course and I've kept the faith, Lord, you'll view me as a winner. God, help us, Lord, to do right. Help us to let God be true and every man a liar. Lord, bless our church. Lord, help us to uphold that form of doctrine that's been committed to us. Help us to love sinners, but help us not to tolerate sin. Help us to never be comfortable with what the world champions and embraces. And help us to realize how important it is to indoctrinate our kids as tenaciously and as vehemently as the world is. Belief determines behavior. And Lord, we failed in that area. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I praise you. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Altars open. you need to come. The theme of today's service has been grace. And I just want to say to you tonight that God's grace has always been and always will 
be sufficient for every need. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that has pardoned and cleansed within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our seed amazing grace how sweet sing with me tonight church that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found by his grace twas blind but now I see let's praise him in his house this evening praise God can you praise His name tonight? He's worthy of your praise. Praise God. 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 Praise God, praise God, praise God. All God's people say it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Appreciate your presence tonight. Amen. Let's just trust the Lord will give us a good week. And let's continue to pray for our church. Pray the Lord will provide. And uh, He always has. And I believe He always will. Amen. Why? Because His grace is sufficient for every need. Dad, would you lead us in a word of prayer tonight?